Hello and welcome to our podcast, Carefully Examining the Text. And in today's episode, we want to try to study Psalm 60. Psalm 60 in the title says, For the choir director according to Shushan Edith. Now, Shushan Edith is translated in the NIV to the tune of the Lily of the Covenant. This same expression occurs with minor variations in the titles of Psalm 45, Psalm 69, and Psalm 80. The heading goes on to say that Psalm 60 is a mitcom of David to teach or for instruction, as the ESV says, when he struggled with Aram Neharim and Aram Zobah. And Joab returned and smote 12,000 of Edom in the Valley of Salt. Now the text of the psalm. The text of the psalm clearly assumes a defeat. In 2 Samuel 8, as we read of David's victories over the Edomites and other enemies, it appears that David had no defeats. But there may have been temporary setbacks in the midst of what would ultimately become victories. And Psalm 60 seems to record a national lament that indicates such. Let us read these words. O God, you have rejected us. You have broken us. You have been angry. O God, restore us. You have made the land quake. You have split it open. Heal its breaches, for it totters. You have made the people experience hardship. You have given us wine to drink that makes us stagger. You have given a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of truth, Silah, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and answer us. God has spoken in his holiness. I will exult, I will portion out Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine and Manasseh is mine. Ephraim also is the helmet of my head. Judah is my scepter. Moab is my washbowl. Over Edom I shall throw my shoe. Shout aloud, O Philistia, because of me. Who will bring me into the besieged city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have not you yourself, O God, rejected us? And will not you go forth with our armies, O God, and give us help against the adversary? For deliverance by man is in vain. Through God we shall do valiantly, and it is he who will tread down our adversaries." Going back to the title, the heading, for just a moment, we find in the battle against Edom that may be referenced could be the same battle that's described in 2 Samuel 8, 13 and 14, where victory is attributed to David, or 1 Chronicles 18, verses 12 and 13, where victory is attributed to Abishai, Joab's brother. But here in the title, Joab is mentioned, and 1 Kings 11, verses 15 and 16, may refer to the same incident, and it mentions Joab as the one who defeated the foe. But whether it be David the king, 
or two of the commanders, Joab or Abishai, all were instrumental in this particular battle. But there is a community lament. Most of the pronouns in Psalm 60 are first-person plural, we and us. You notice the exception to that in verse 9, as me is mentioned a couple of times. But notice the definite mood of defeat and despair as the psalm opens. O God, you have rejected us. This verb rejected is going to be used again in verse 10. You have rejected us. Now, the pronouns here in referencing God are not emphatic, but but there are some seven verbs that are used to describe God's activity in bringing judgment upon his people. You have rejected us. You have broken us. The word translated broken is used in 2 Samuel 5 verse 20 for God breaking forth against the Philistines. But now God has broken down his people. He has broken his people. The text tells us you have become angry. The people are described in verse 5 as beloved, but they certainly don't feel that right now. They feel God's anger, and they said, restore us. In verse 2, you've made the land to quake. Now again, expressions like this are used to describe Israel's victories at certain points. In Psalm 18, verse 7, you see this kind of language used to the Lord coming to the aid of his people. You you see in Judges 5, verse 4, this kind of language as all nature is thrown into upheaval at the presence of God. But here it is the land quaking as God has brought judgment on his people, not on his enemies. It says you have split it open, and there's the plea, God, heal its breaches, for it totters or it is shaken. The word translated totters in the New American Standard here is the word that's translated shaken, and I will not be shaken in passages like Psalm 15 5, Psalm 16, 8, Psalm 17, 5. In verse 3, you have made your people experience hardship. This is the same word. Hardship is the same word to talk about the bitter bondage of Egypt in Exodus 1, 14, in Exodus 6 and verse 9. But the Bible tells us you have made your people experience hardship. You have given them wine to drink that makes them stagger. Isaiah 51 verses 17 and 22 talks about a cup in the hand of the Lord which can cause those who drink it to reel and to stagger. The same kind of picture appears in Jeremiah 25 verses 15 through 28. Generally, this is a picture of judgment on God's enemies, but here it is a picture of judgment on God's people. Now, the mood of verses 1 through 3 is definitely 
one of darkness and despair. The question is, does verse 4 continue that line of thought, or does it begin to offer its first rays of hope? Now, your answer to that may depend upon the translation that you use. I was reading from the New American Standard Bible, and there are definite signs there (coughs) that this picture is a hopeful one. You have given us a banner to those who fear you, that it may be displayed because of truth. One of the difficulties is the word that is used in translated truth in verse 4 is only found in one other place in the Old Testament, in Proverbs 22 and verse 21. The Septuagint actually understands this as because of the bow. That's the way it understands this particular term, because of the bow. And verse 4 may be a continuation of this description of judgment. Uh, For example, you see a passage in Jeremiah, uh, Jeremiah uh, 4 and verse 6, of people fleeing to the city of Jerusalem in a time of judgment. They are fleeing to the city, and so the banner and the fleeing there is not one of victory, but one of defeat. And it may be that verse 4 continues that line of thought. So verse 4 is very difficult. I'm not trying to be... Uh, too dogmatic with any conclusions on that passage. But in verse 5, God say, uh, the text says that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand and answer us. Saving and God's right hand are put in the same context in deliverance from Egypt, in Egyptian bondage, in Exodus 15, verse 6, in Exodus 15, in verse 12. And it may be that these people who have the bitter experience or experiencing hardship like they did in the land of Egypt need a new exodus. And so the statement in verse 5, that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and answer us. In verse 6, the text says, God has spoken in his holiness. Some of your versions have sanctuary. They're all looking at the same thing. But is this a reference to God's personal holiness or to God's holy place? God has spoken in his holiness. I will exalt, I will portion out Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. I'll portion out Shechem. Now, the word for portion is used quite frequently in that section of the book of Joshua where the land is divided up among Israel. It's used in Joshua 13, 7, Joshua 14, 5, Joshua 18, verse 2, verse 5, verse 10, and a couple of other places. 
But, but what I'm trying to stress is that just as God gave Israel all of the land in the book of Joshua and divided it up to the various tribes, verse 6 is using the same kind of imagery, the same kind of language. I will exult. I will portion out Shechem and measure out the valley of Succoth. Both of these places play significant roles in the patriarchal stories of Genesis. Shechem is mentioned as early as Genesis 12, verse 6, as Abraham's wanderings take him to this area. And Jacob goes to Shechem and Succoth in Genesis 33, verses 17. And 18. And so what you see here in verse 6 is God dividing up his land among his people. In verse 7, Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim the helmet of my head, and Judah my scepter. He mentions three tribes, Manasseh, Ephraim, and Judah. And the region of Gilead, which is across the Jordan. In one way, this may sum up all the land of Israel, all the land of Palestine. But he mentions Ephraim as his helmet. The Lord is a warrior who conquers this land. And Ephraim is pictured as his helmet. He is king who rules all this land. And Judah is pictured as holding the scepter, the king's staff, just like Genesis 49 and verse 10. But notice how differently the enemy nations are referred to in verse 8. While Ephraim is a helmet and Judah a scepter, in verse 8, Moab is a washbowl. Over Edom I will throw my shoe. That seems to be a gesture of disgust in Ruth 4, verses 7 and 8. And it can indicate taking possession. It can simply indicate an insignificant place where you would throw your shoe. Shout loud, O Philistia, because of me. Now, at the end of verse 8, the New American Standard pictures Philistia as doing the shouting, but it may be that God is doing the shouting here. Verses 6 through 12 of, or really verses 5 through 12 of Psalm 60 are going to be repeated in Psalm 108, Psalm 108, verses 6 through 13. And in those passages of Scripture, you see, over Philistia, I will shout. Psalm 108, verse 10. This seems to fit the context better. And so Psalm 108 may carry the better reading that God was going to shout in victory after defeating Philistia. So these enemies of God's people are conquered. All the land of Judah is God's, and he rules over it with his scepter. So this is what God spoke, that God would be dominant over all peoples, that God would conquer all peoples. But 
how do they face the crisis of the moment? In verse 9, who will bring me into the besieged city? Who will lead me to Edom? The answers to those questions could only be God. They recognize a crisis, and they recognize that they can turn nowhere for help except to him. In verse 11, O give us help against the adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Only God can provide the strength that's necessary for battle. And so deliverance from man is vain. This word vain is used three times in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. Except the, the Lord watch the city, the watchmen watch in vain. It's vain to rise early and to retire late and to eat the bread of painful labors. For the Lord gives to his beloved even in their sleep. But God seems to have rejected the people in verse 10. And God will not go forth with their armies. But in verse 12, he is confident that they will do valiantly and that God will tread down their foes. So verses 1 through 3, maybe 1 through 4, a note of despair. He continues to address God, pleading for mercy in verse 5. In verses 6 through 8, God speaks. And then in verses 9 through 12, the community puts its hope in God and cries out to God and finally expresses its confidence to God. Again, this passage may demonstrate that behind the succession of victories that we see in the book of Samuel when David goes to battle, there may have been temporary defeats. There may have been momentary setbacks. And sometimes a momentary setback is all we need to wonder, God, why are you angry? Why have you rejected us? Why have you given us wine to drink that makes us stagger? But ultimately, faith is exercised. We will do valiantly. And through God, we will tread down our adversaries. Now, how can we see Jesus in this psalm? I had a friend the other day tell me, that he was thinking about that question and was having difficulty answering it. And then all of a sudden, when some began to comment on that, he recognized that you can see him everywhere throughout this particular psalm. Now, how, how could I say that? For example, in verse 3, you have given us wine to drink that makes us stagger. As in the Old Testament, the cup of God's wrath is a picture of God's judgment. Jesus is pleading with the Father. My Father, if possible, let this cup pass from me. Matthew 26, verse 39. Mark 14, verse 34 through 36. Jesus drank 
this cup of God's wrath that God prepared for the wicked. Jesus is the one who can heal and save as you see mentioned in verse 2, heal its breaches. The word that's used here in the Septuagint is used to describe the ministry of Jesus in Luke 4, 18 and 19, and how he heals those who are broken. It's also used in Matthew 13 and verse 15, that they would be converted and I would heal them. Jesus is God's beloved in verse 5 and was so declared in Matthew 3:17, Matthew 12:8 and Matthew 17 in verse 5. You see that. And you see the earthquake at the death of Jesus in Matthew 27 in verse 51 and in Matthew 28 in verse 2 the earthquake at his resurrection. It's interesting here in verse 2 of Psalm 60, the land was made to quake and split open for an Israelite defeat. But in Matthew 27, for the ultimate victory, and just as Judah is my scepter, Jesus sprang out of the tribe of Judah, the tribe from which the kings came, Matthew 1 and verse 1. Yes, Jesus can bring deliverance and salvation. Oh, in verse 11, deliverance from man is vain. But Jesus is God come in the flesh. He can bring deliverance. He can bring salvation. Let's read the text of the psalm as we close. O God, you have rejected us and you have broken us. You have been angry. O God, restore us. You've made the land quake. You've split it open. Heal its breaches for its totters. You have made people experience hardship. You've given us wine to drink that makes us stagger. You have given a banner to those who fear you that it may be displayed because of truth that your beloved may be delivered, save with your right hand, and answer us. Verse 6, God has spoken in his holiness. I will exult, I will portion out Shechem, and measure out the valley of Succoth. Gilead is mine, Manasseh is mine, Ephraim also is the helmet of my head, Judah is my scepter, Moab is my washbowl, over Edom I shall throw my shoe. Over Philistia I will shout aloud. Who will bring me to the besieged city? Who will lead me to Edom? Have not you yourself, O God, rejected us? And will not you go forth with our armies, O God? O give us help against the adversary, for deliverance by man is in vain. Through God we shall do valiantly, and it is he who will tread down our adversaries. May the Lord bless you.